Hi, and welcome to the Mindful Shape Podcast. I'm Paula Parker, and I'm a life and weight loss coach. So quick announcement first, right off the bat, I'm currently accepting a few new clients for private one-on-one coaching. So if you've been on the fence, if you've been considering it, or just a little bit curious to see what life coaching is about, what weight loss coaching is all about, um, and if it could help you, then please feel free to sign up on my wait list, and then I'll contact you to set up a free consultation. It's a one hour call in which you get to unload what's going on for you, everything related to your weight and food for you specifically in your situation. And I give you my take on what I see that's happening. And I tell you exactly why you are getting the results that you're getting now and explain my coaching process. And then we go from there. There is absolutely no pressure to continue with coaching or sign up. Sometimes the women I meet take what they learn in that one call and then they run with it on their own. And that's totally fine. And sometimes they decide uh, it's going to be really helpful and they dive right in. So either way, I always trust that you'll know what's best for you. And my job is to help facilitate that decision. So if you're even a little curious and you want my take on your specific situation, uh, you can sign up at my website at mindfulshape.com. Okay. So let's get into the topic. So in these consultations, we talk about where you are and where you want to be. On the rare occasion, I'll have someone who doesn't have a specific goal weight in mind, but most women have a number in their head. Maybe it's what you weighed in high school or college or what you weighed on your wedding day. I'm guessing that you probably have one in your head, that number on the scale that you feel like, if I saw that number, I would feel really good about where my body is at. At least you think so, right? It might feel so elusive at this point that you're thinking that's the number in my head, but until I'm there or at least close, I don't really know for sure. When it comes to that number, we can have so much mind drama. If you don't feel elated by that number, if it doesn't energize you, if instead it taunts you more than anything, that's totally normal. If you think of that number and it seems so far away that you end up feeling just more defeated than anything, then this episode is going to be perfect for you. Today, I really want to explore all the ways our brain creates unnecessary mind drama around weight loss goals and how to use your goal for you, not against you. By the end of our time together, you'll know not only how to create weight loss goals for yourself, but avoid the traps that can bring you down along the way. Every time you engage with that number, or avoid thinking about that goal altogether. Okay, first, how do you choose your goal? What's that right number anyways? What's your natural weight? How would you even know? And what if it's too low? I have clients sometimes they want to go for a certain number, but they're worried it's a bit too low. If you are getting hung up on this, here's what I'll offer. There is no right number. Your natural weight is the weight that feels good to you, period. You have full autonomy over that number. And some people in your life may say, now don't get too thin or you're looking too skinny. (laughs) And you may use that as an opportunity to check in with yourself, honestly, or even talk to your doctor if you're really unsure. But I would say for the most part, it's likely that that has more to do with them than with you. So unless you're severely underweight, you're probably fine. And if you're worried your number is too low, remember you're always in charge. If you don't like it, if you don't like the way you feel or how you look, you can simply gain the weight back. It's no problem. So to sum up, there is no right goal weight. 
you get to decide what your natural weight is. Often when we think that that goal number is so far away, it feels like it's so far away, we tend to feel really hopeless and then we're more likely to give up. We fall into that screw it mentality, like what's the point? So to avoid that, I encourage you to focus on five pounds at a time. So sure, maybe your end goal is 20, 40, 60 pounds, whatever, but our brains have a hard time figuring out how to make that happen. How are we going to lose 60 pounds? But when we focus on the five pounds ahead of us and how we'll get there, well, then we can make a plan. It feels doable and we're more likely to follow through on the action items that we have set out for us. We learn this in other areas of our life and we don't fall into this trap. I used to work at a credit union and we'd map out the projects for the entire year and then build in the KPIs or, you know, performance metrics, but we didn't get overwhelmed because we broke those down into really bite-sized chunks, right? Little smaller goals, or maybe there's projects for you at home that you want to accomplish over the next few months. For us, it's buying a new TV. Every time I try to sign into Netflix, I have to Or every time I try to turn on Netflix, I have to re-sign in. So like enter in my email and enter in the password. And I think it's just a TV thing. Our TV sucks. (laughs) So that's on our list. We're getting a new TV. We also want to get a Murphy bed for the office. I need to put up some, or I want to put up some photos from our family photo shoot that we had earlier in the summer. And also we have a bunch of uh, winter tires from our previous car that are sitting in our backyard. So all of these things need to be dealt with, but not all at once. And it feels overwhelming to think that they all need to be sorted out right away. So generally how we deal with this is my husband and I sit down, I don't know, every couple of weeks or so, and we just make a plan. What's the next thing that we want to deal with? What's the one thing that we can do next? I also like doing a weekly focus. So if my goal is five pounds, what am I going to focus on this week? to help me get closer. So maybe that's allowing more hunger. Maybe that's listening to how my body is feeling during my meal or after so that you know how much food to eat. Sometimes we don't really know if it's the right amount of food until maybe 20 minutes or an hour later. So that's really good information to pay attention to so that you can use that information to plan for your protocol the next day. A really powerful focus is deciding to feel every emotion instead of eating. This is going to mean only eating when you're hungry and stopping when you've had enough. And how you know you've had enough is how you want to feel in your body. Sometimes it's going to be a little bit heavier. Sometimes it's going to be lighter and alive. You get to decide how satiated you want to feel. It sounds super simple, but that's more than enough to focus on for one week. And if that's seemingly, if you think that's advanced, try simply noticing when you're eating from true hunger or when you're eating simply because you want to eat. You might be really surprised to see how often you're eating outside of being truly physically hungry, like maybe a seven, eight, nine on the hunger scale, if 10 is ravenous, right? This is really good to know. It means you don't need to keep trying to solve the problem with different types of diets or fasting. You only need to learn the skill of eating only when you're hungry. And that's really important. What about timelines? That's the T in SMART goals, I believe, if I remember my SMART goals. You might have a date in which you want to have reached your goal. I know I've talked about this on the podcast before, to double your timeline, to give yourself the gift of 
time, and space. Here's what I'll say about timelines. Set one, but remember your goal, that number and the timeline will serve you most if you think of it as a lighthouse, (laughs) right? I use that metaphor because it's simply a guide to help you navigate towards something specific. It offers direction. It provides a container or like a framework for you to take action. I was recently reviewing some of my goals and I noticed I had set a running goal for September. Now it's October if you're listening to this in current time. And I've been doing some physical therapy for my knee, hip, and back. (laughs) Is that show my age? (laughs) And I needed to recover um, before I could start running again. So my goal was to get back to running in September. When I set that, it helped me figure out a plan to get my physio done. It motivated me to get it on the calendar because I would have to be doing it pretty regularly in order to get up and get running by September. But it turns out that the recovery took longer than I had planned. And so I didn't start running until this month, until October. But do you think I really care now that I didn't hit that goal in September? No, of course not. All I care about is that I can run now and my knees, my hips, and my back aren't killing me anymore. (laughs) So your timeline helps frame your goal. It gives it some structure, but if you don't hit it, it doesn't mean you won't reach your goal. Don't use your timeline against yourself. It was made up to begin with. It was just a thought that you had in your head. (laughs) Okay. It won't serve you to think, but I should have hit my goal by now and argue with reality. You'll just feel worse. Instead, you can decide, oh, I guess it was never going to be like that. It was always going to be a different time. I just didn't know it when I set my timeline. And if you're impatient, it's because your brain wants to speed things up so you don't have to deal with the emotions of being where you are now. It just wants to be at goal weight so that it's so much easier to have the thoughts that produce pleasant feelings. So let's talk about the main reason there's drama around goals. If we don't achieve it, we'll feel bad about that and about ourselves. If that's happening, you know you're tying your self-concept and your opinion of yourself to that goal. It's like, if I reach it, I'll be nice to myself because I deserve it. But if I don't reach it, I will be so disappointed and I'll be upset with myself. And then we wonder why we don't feel very excited or elated about our goal. (laughs) When we need that number on the scale to produce a certain feeling like self-acceptance or feeling proud, we always need to reach our goal every time or else not feeling good about ourselves is the consequence. This is why failure feels so bad for us. You want to be very aware of what you are making your goal mean about you what you're making either hitting it or not hitting it mean about you. You can't possibly enjoy the process of releasing weight if you may or may not feel good about yourself. There's just too much on the line and it feels really heavy. Your opinion of yourself is at stake here. And we know that the scale is going to go up and down. Even when the longer term trend lines are down, it will typically fluctuate a few pounds along the way. That's just how our bodies are, right? Our organic beings. And then there are times when our body just holds on to weight for weeks even. It might not mean that you're overeating. It's simply your body doing its thing and it's taking a little longer than we thought. 
And if we stick with our protocol, so long as we're not eating outside of physical hunger or eating past satiation at meals, it will eventually release the excess weight. When you achieve your goal, you'll feel what? Probably proud, a sense of accomplishment, really good in your body. Why? What are you thinking about yourself? When you create how you want to feel first and throughout your journey, while you're seeing the ups and downs on the scale, then you won't experience those big highs and lows. You're also less likely to go into that all or nothing thinking. You'll be doing it because it's an act of love, not punishment. So you will be allowing hunger, allowing unpleasant emotions like the desire to eat from a place of care, from caring about yourself, right? It's an act of self-love. You want to lose weight, not because if you don't, you'll continue to feel bad about yourself, but because you just want to. You want to know what it would be like in a smaller body, wearing clothes you love, and living without all the food and weight drama. You're doing it as an investment in yourself and your future. This will require you to hold space for the parts of you that you just don't really like that much right now, right? Like those parts that feel bored or tired or emotionally exhausted or simple dissatisfaction or a lot of times that anxious part of ourselves. We don't like those parts. (laughs) We don't want to feel those parts. And then we eat. Sometimes people will say, well, I don't want to do all of this work and then not reach my goal. If that resonates with you or it sounds like you, no, that's only because you think doing the work of weight loss is harder than maintaining your current weight or gaining and overeating. But I really encourage you to look at that honestly. I think that's a lie we tell ourselves over and over. We tell ourselves it's hard to lose weight, but that's not the hard part. Really, really it's not. (laughs) Our body does that naturally on its own. Our body uses the excess fat stores as fuel and it's as natural as breathing. What's hard, what's hard about losing weight is what we need to feel when we say no to the food. When we say that's enough at a meal right? Even when it's super delicious and tastes good. And we say, no, we've had enough. That's what's hard is the emotions that come up when we say no to ourselves. What's hard is feeling the unpleasant feeling that comes up. So it's important to be super clear on that. So it's a lie that it's harder to lose weight than to be gaining weight or living above your natural weight because there is equal negative emotions. But instead of feeling the negative emotion around not eating, You feel it about your weight or while you're getting dressed in the morning or when you see yourself in pictures or in the mirror or when your clothes feel tight. All of that creates just as much, if not more, negative emotion for us. So it's not like eating really helps us escape negative emotion. It just puts it to the side temporarily. So it's so important to remember that. Be on to your own brain. However, I will acknowledge that What can make it extra hard, especially when you're starting out, is that you're going to be feeling it all. So you're going to be feeling the negative emotion you used to eat over and the negative emotion around dealing with your current weight and not being at your natural weight. So all the more reason to manage your mind, all the more reason to learn how to think in a way that's also going to generate some positive emotion for you 
right? And to get really good at feeling that um, negative feelings and letting it process through your body from beginning to end and teaching your brain that it has that skill of feeling negative emotion and watching it dissipate and then seeing what else shows up for you, like a sense of peace or calm. So finally, I just want to end with an example. Let's think of it this way. Imagine two people who both reach their goal in six months. One has done it by making sure there's no sugar in the house. They've been avoiding social events, not going out for dinner. And when she's having a craving or a desire to eat off of her protocol, she distracts herself by researching weight loss, (laughs) right? And watching before and after success videos on YouTube or Instagram. The other person has mastered the skill of planning a protocol that feels doable and knows how to feel desire for sugar, for carbs, (laughs) for drinks at parties, and wanting more food when the meal tastes especially delicious without overdoing it. She's also spent the last six months managing her thoughts to create feelings of pride and accomplishment along the way, even when the scale didn't go down. So if we were to follow up with these two people in another year, who do you think has a greater likelihood of being at that goal weight still. Intuitively, you know, right? Here's the reason. The first client distracted herself until the dopamine hit at the very end when she reached her weight loss goal and there's a huge spike in dopamine. But then we know that's never going to last. Dopamine dissipates. And in this case, the person also needed outside sources to create that experience. Hence the videos, which again, won't continue to offer dopamine forever. This is why it's so common for people to lose a bunch of weight and then gain it all back. The other person learned sustainable skills on how to eat for their body and deal with the desire. Plus, they manufactured natural dopamine with their thoughts throughout the entire six months. So if you are done with white knuckling your way through weight loss and you want to be that second person, If you're finally ready to use your mind to get out of all of this over-desire for food and drama about your weight and your weight loss goal, I really want to help you. Set up a consultation and let's talk. Let's talk about how coaching could potentially help you create a protocol that's specifically geared just for you and your lifestyle, whatever that is how to follow through, which is the most important part, and then also how to reflect and strategize so that you have these skills for life and you know what works for you. To set that up, just go to my website. It's mindfulshape.com and I really look forward to meeting you. Okay, thanks. Bye.